What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. We are a week and a half away from the two-night WrestleMania, and that card seems to be changing and adapting, and uh, it doesn't look good for that card, John. I don't know I don't know what's going to happen with this show. They've already taped a lot of stuff, and they've. it seems like they've had to change some stuff that uh, we, we may know one match, but we don't know the others. What's going on? Uh, not much. Yeah, I know. I think it's changing so fast and adapting, as you said, because they have to. People get sick or don't want to participate or, you know, uh, people are medically cleared for it. It's just, uh, I don't know. It's going to be, God, this is going to be one for the ages <laughs> just for the fact that we'll never forget this WrestleMania. And hopefully next year we'll have another one, a regular one with fans and a big building, a big arena, a big, sorry, big stadium. And, uh, but yeah, this year is definitely going to be. One we'll always talk about and remember, for sure. We'll see if WWE talks about it and remembers it. I have a feeling this one is going to get buried very deeply in the archive. Oh, yeah, um, I can see that, too. Definitely. Yeah. Okay, so I uh, just wanted to note that uh, this podcast is sponsored by Bet Online. Thanks to Bet Online for that. And uh, there's a couple of things that I want to hit on before we get to the actual news and kind of what we're hinting at at the top of this show. So uh, <clears throat> for those who are kind of interested in our Facebook group but haven't uh, dove in yet, we are almost done with the first round of our best WrestleMania matches ever and best WrestleMania shows ever. Uh, tournaments. Uh, we started with 32 entrants each. We are almost down to the Sweet 16, and we are going to finish up by uh, WrestleMania Saturday. Can't even say WrestleMania Sunday anymore. <laughs> um, and so uh, th- those are those are a lot of fun. Uh, people are, you know, discussing. You know, it's kind of kind of what's getting us through the the uh, the days on on this on this group because there's not a whole lot of news, and a lot of the news that comes out is just so sad and, and frustrating. Um, so that's there. You can you can join if you want to go uh, to the Fight Game Media Twitter account and it's all that information is in a is in the pinned post. Um, couple of podcasts that I did over the weekend. So I was on with uh, Big Dave Meltzer. We reviewed Dark Side of the uh, of the Ring on Chris Benoit. And I'll get your quick thoughts on it, too, because I wanted to hear your thoughts. But um, did did a show with Big Dave. Then I did a sh- I did a uh, an extra show this last weekend. Uh, I had my fiance Crystal on and I wanted to get her sort of like casual human view of of the documentary because she had no idea anything that happened she has no relation uh, to wrestling at all and then i brought on uh, our good pal robert silva to talk about the very first uh, the, i'm sorry the 30th anniversary of the very first Meldrick Taylor and Julio Cesar Chavez fight so that podcast is up and then the last one was uh we kind of did a a a, a blue wire podcast uh, kind of synergy thing with uh, the two jabronis with the podcast and Top Rope Nation. Uh, and uh, we all kind of put some stuff together about the WrestleMania 30 show that ESPN uh, put on. Oh, I think it was on Sunday. They just did our, they just put some of the matches from that show on ESPN in primetime on Sunday night. Did you see any of that? I actually just tuned in right during the, uh, probably halfway through the main event. And uh, though, though, I thought it was fantastic. I remember, I forgot how good that match was. 
the Daniel Bryan stuff, both Daniel Bryan matches were really good on that show. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we're uh, starving for really good matches and <laughs> some good wrestling content. But no, but it was really good. Yeah. I liked so it I went I went back to read that issue because there was a lot of stuff that happened in that WrestleMania leading up to Daniel Bryan being the guy. Like you you remember this stuff, but originally it was supposed to be Punk and Triple H as one of the main events, and then Punk said, See you later, I'm I'm leaving. And then uh, Daniel Bryan was supposed to face Sheamus on that card and like the early plans of that show. And then it just kind of turned into what it turned into. Finally, they they uh, they, they used uh, Daniel Bryan to, to you know, to, to get some interest in that show. And it was going to be Batista and Randy Orton as the main event. Like that was going to be for the title. Batista and Randy Orton, no Daniel Bryan. So that whole that whole card changed. Uh, over over the months after, so that it was, that that whole story is interesting. But so we we did all our sort of memories of that show into that little blue blue wire pod synergy podcast, um, and just upcoming stuff. Uh, I will have another bonus weekend edition. Uh, I did it. I did something that I've been wanting to do for a long time. I kind of withheld it because I wanted to actually do these in person. But I did a, a long interview style talk with Antonio the Promise Thomas. Most people listening to this will remember him from his heartthrobs and heartbreaker fame back in the mid-2000s for uh, OVW and for WWE. And he does a show, a podcast on F4W uh, about sports. So um, he and I have, have become pretty good pretty good, uh, you know, social distancing friends over the last couple of years. And he's a really good guy. And I wanted to kind of get his story. And, you know, he's also a trainer and he's a teacher. So he's, you know, he, he's a, he can be an inspiring person. So that's, that, that will be out over uh, probably Sunday night, Monday morning. And uh, then next week, uh, you know, we're going to be gung-ho into WrestleMania. I'll probably bring Big D on and we'll do a little bit of like a WrestleMania thing. He and I used to do that every year. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, you and I will probably have some post-game show podcasts concerning WrestleMania as well at the end of next week. But that's all with the plugs. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on Dark Side of the Ring, Chris Benoit. Now, you and I both sort of live this story as diehard wrestling fans, and, mm-hmm. you know, I... It is something that I will always remember. I can remember the apartment I was in when I was getting Meltzer's issues and waiting until the evening and when it was super dark and late to read them for some reason and freaking myself out. Um, and, uh, you know, I think you were a little apprehensive to watch this episode and I kind of was like, Hey, you know, maybe you should watch it so we can talk about it. Cause it's all what people are talking about right now. Cause it's, everything else is so slow, but I wanted to uh, give you the office so you could give your thoughts on it. Yeah, it was tough to get through. Um, I, I remember, same thing. I remember I was at work when, you know, I was checking, I always check the Observer, the Observer website for news and I remember seeing that come up and I remember just, it went from, it was bam, bam, bam on that on that website and and um, I remember just the fact that he, uh, that I had, when I heard all three of them were dead, I thought, man, is this a murder-suicide thing? That's what first thing that came to my mind. I don't know why. It just, it just did. And then when it... You remember the thing that people were trying to say was, oh, it was like carbon monoxide poisoning. You remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah, there's a lot of theories and stuff. And it was just a surreal time. And 
I really didn't want to watch it, honestly, but I know you asked me to watch it, so it was uh, a little tough to get through, I, um, especially anytime they would show him and his son and, and Nancy together, like when they're just so happy, um, that stuff really got me. And then also uh, yeah, his oldest son, uh, Dave Benoit, stuff was really heartbreaking, and especially especially with during, right when they started talking about the murders and everything. It's just, uh, it was hard. It was hard to get to. I actually watched it with my wife, Katrina, um, who knew about the story. Like she remembered it. She didn't know the details of it all. And, you know, like she could understand why I was tearing up and having a hard time getting through it. But, you know, I mean, people, I mean, when it comes to Benoit, I mean, I never met the guy. I was just, he's just one of my favorites. Like I had him up there with, um, you know, Ric Flair and, and, but also like, as an athlete, I had him up there with, uh, like Will Clark, my favorite baseball player, um, Joe Montana, my favorite football player, you know, and so on. So like, I just thought he was amazing. And I mean, I mean, I actually on our, on our Facebook group, it was kind of, I mentioned like, I'm probably not going to watch it. And I mean, Marcus, uh, Marcus Mack on our, our Facebook group, he, re- he just writes rock band wall because that was my AOL screen name where we all met. I had that, that was my, uh, you know, Rock Benoit, my last name is LaRocca, and then just Benoit, of course, so, um, but yeah, I was, uh, he was, you know, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, and it was just heartbreaking to watch, I remember all the new stuff afterwards was hard to watch, and I remember, I remember specifically I was out of X's house, and I think that Nancy Grace episode, which I showed a clip of, um, was on and I remember like just being really like upset watching it and she she had no clue she's not even a wrestling fan yeah and she was like what are you upset about you know and I was just like oh you know just couldn't explain to it and so she's like well just turn it off so I did and you know I can watch a Chris Wall wrestling match to this day uh, I have no issues with it when watching his wrestling but like this stuff when it came to this it was, it was hard to get through so was there anything you may have forgotten or that you learned through the episode or was everything pretty much as you remembered? Um, I, it's been a while since I read the observer. Of course, I didn't want to go read it again. After no, I, I don't want to read those again. Those were yeah. scary. So, so I think a lot of the details I forgot about the murder itself and, um, was, you know, this was, was hard to hear again. And, it, it's just it's sad, man. I just don't understand it. Um, no one really will because, you know, I do think, I mean, if my opinion, I think CTE was a, a major factor, you know, involved. I, I mean, a study have shown a lot of the athletes have done, they just gave some examples on this show, on this, on but this they, document. But they usually do something to themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. I can't explain it. My my wife, I try to explain it to my wife, like my thoughts on it. Like I maybe thought like, you know, I mean, after he killed his wife, he couldn't, you know, handle his son, you know, growing up without a mother and then a father that's probably going to be in, you know, prison for life and mm-hmm. he thought maybe he was best for him i don't know it i just can't explain it it, it was just really <laughs> this is really hard to watch it is really hard to watch and i think that's the the human the human part of this is uh what makes this doc you know it's i guess it's not necessarily documentary docu drama or whatever you want to call it 
it is the it's the thing where you think about like well I'm in this per you know I, I have kids as well and and yeah how could you do that but the thing about it that I think makes it so we the 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 reason why people who are not wrestling fans probably don't understand why we're so closely tied to it is because pro wrestling as a sport or as a something that you know you're just super interested in we have to be so loyal to the overall industry in order to be fans of it, right? Like, so for instance, if you are, uh, if you're a baseball fan, you know, you're a Giants fan, you're really loyal to your team, you're loyal to players, you mentioned Will Clark. But if you're a wrestling fan, the entire uh, organization or the entire industry gets shat upon by pop culture, by media, just by, you know, uh, it, it, you know, we all grew up thinking, oh, you know, we can't really tell anybody that we're fans because then they're going to think we're weird or something. Like, we all had that moment. And so when you are constantly, like, trying to disprove all of these things and why pro wrestling is not as bad as it, and then you have something like this happen, like the same thing with the Owen Hart thing. It's like, oh, God, like, how? why am I still, like, mm -hmm. defending this or watching it? But, you know, we all get sucked back in because we love it. And and it, that I think that is something that people who are not pro wrestling fans will never understand, right? Like, O.J. Simpson goes on a, a spree, and it's not like people go, Oh well, the NFL should just never exist anymore, and that's you know, and you know, for for all of WWE's f uh, faults, and you know, rightfully so, there was a lot of errors in their in their judgment, and still errors in their judgment today. But they were getting all the you know, why why does WWE even exist? Crooked company, wrestling is a terrible industry, and so then you know, we we sit here and go, ah, like this is this is so frustrating too, but. Mm. The um, the last thing I wanted to know is, did you find the end with Sandra and David and, and Jericho kind of putting them back together? Did you find that a story, a happy story enough that, you know, it didn't, it, it kind of put a little bit of sunshine on what is a very sad and grisly and scary story? Yeah. I mean, I remember when um, her sister talked about how the Benoit family said they want nothing to do with their family anymore. And, you know, and then David, you know, said that the same thing, that they want nothing to do with him. And then knowing that they reconnected and I think he called her like, you know, she's still my Auntie Jojo. Like I was happy for David, you know, and 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 her sister and Nancy's sisters as, as well, because I think that was a nice little moment of some little moment of light in this really dark, dark, um, documentary. So yeah, I, I, I liked it. I thought it was, uh, a nice end and, and I was happy for David and, and her sister. And I think an underappreciated thing in this entire story is Chris, Chris Jericho for, um, looking out for David because I'm not exactly sure the details, but I heard that, you know, lots of promoters, would love to have David on a show, right? Mm -hmm. Like imagine how a circus aspect, you know, that would be to have, you know, him wrestle and Jericho's just tell him like, dude, they're not 
in it for you. Mm-hmm. Like, don't even mess with these guys. Like, they're not doing this for you. They're doing it to make a buck and to, you know, they don't really care about you. So he he really has looked out for him. And I think that I think that comes out of the end. You know, J- Jericho's going to be all over uh, that episode. He's probably going to be all over a lot of episodes this year uh, on the show. And I have a feeling I'm going to get a little tired of him. But mm-hmm. you know, in this episode, I think he was the he was the glue guy. He was the guy that that kind of kept it all together, and uh, and and made sure that you know we were remembering, we were balanced in our in our thoughts. And and I appreciated him for that. Let's talk about our sponsor, Bet Online. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports events and games to wager on, or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. I am knee deep in this year's Survivor, and I've put some bets down on folks who I think have good odds and a good chance to win. So I'm all in. And also, American Idol, once it starts in the uh, sort of the countdown and people get eliminated, I'm all in on betting on American Idol as well. So visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That is have that is that has been increased from past weeks, so just I want people to understand that. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Um okay, so let's talk about uh the news coming out today. Roman Reigns is out of WrestleMania. Kind of, uh, no, I, I guess I would say not surprising. He is, uh, you know, he he has a, a a compromised immune system from his situation with uh, with his uh, the cancer, and you know, I think a lot of us have been sort of like worried for him if going through this in this time. Um, and he decided to pull out of this show. Ryan Satin reported it. And uh, what do you think about them having to sort of change this match last minute? And, I, and I'll give you the guy that that I've heard is is his replacement against Goldberg. After you give me your thoughts, um, I think as like hourly or minute by minute, how things are as we're learning more and more about COVID nineteen, and you know the risk reward for this was you know probably not you know, not worth it for him to do this match. And I hope there's no heat. I don't think there will be any heat against for this. I actually was funny because I, like a week ago, I didn't think he was going to be in this match Mm -hmm. because another wrestler, you know, had a compromised immune system and, and, and wasn't wrestling. So I thought, wow, maybe, maybe they, because they're still talking about it. So maybe, maybe things got worked out or, or they checked them out or anything like that. So, so, but I mean, when the news came out, I saw that I wasn't shocked either and I'm happy for it. You know, like, like there's no, there's no need to, you know, especially his, his history with cancer and everything like, nah, it's not, it's not worth it right now to do anything like this. And, and, you know, 
we'll get this match hopefully sooner than later in front of a big audience. So I'm, I'm happy with it. So hindsight, obviously being 2020, but I have been of the opinion that they should postpone the show and do it when it's safe for everybody and when they can really when they can make money on it because you know doing it in front of a an empty house that they, they lose the gate um, and you know they're they're really trying to push this as something special when I think um, most of us know that. Uh, a cr- the crowd is fifty percent of the whole ball game, and um, and it's going to hurt the show. Hindsight being twenty twenty again, like, do you think that they made the wrong decision to do it this way? Um, it's tough because I can see them doing their best to go through with it, and. You know, but I also can see the positive of maybe holding back. But where do you hold it at? Are you just now you're gonna do WrestleMania? I mean, I guess I guess you're right. Too. I don't know. I don't know. I just think uh, it's a tough call. This whole this whole thing's a tough call. On um, with you know all their shows and every wrestling show right now on TV, I think is a tough call with 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 you know doing these shows. It's a it's a weird vibe. Like um, I don't know if we're gonna go too much detail today in the Wednesday night shows, but like when it came to the wrestling part of it, like. I wasn't really affected by the crowd, even though I, you know, even though I know like, you know, it's even much better with the crowd, obviously you need that interaction. And, but like when it came to like promos or Mm -hmm. in ring interview segments or something like that, that's when it kind of like really like stood out. But, but, um, I think the matches will be fine. WrestleMania, it's just going to be jarring when they do like the stuff with like in ring promos that, you know, like what do you need? I mean, other than raw, raw did, I thought did a hell of a job. Um, Randy Orton did a freaking awesome promo that, uh, I really wish this match was in front of the, in a stadium. And cause I, I felt like after that promo, I really want to see that match, you know, but then I remember it's like, oh, you know, what's going on today. It's kind of like knocked me out to, I, I think raw was clearly the best show of the week. Yeah. Yeah. No, I liked it. I liked raw a lot. Too. Even the matches, like the, the you know, the, the match, the, the tag match, I think was probably, uh, you know, probably would have been better shorter, but just like they had the fun guys in the ring. They had mostly tag matches so that it wasn't just one-on-one and you wouldn't hear nothing like you'd hear the trash talking, um, and, and stuff. So I, I thought, I thought that was really good. AEW is still the, you know, they're still a little bit more humanistic uh, and, and and you can sort of tell that there's something going on. They're not as tone deaf, but I don't know. I was, uh, I, <laughs> they, 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 they did the Matt Hardy stuff at the end, which is, which was super goofy, but you know, Matt Hardy is a good performer, but you, when you have, uh, you know, Brody Lee uh, as an exalted one, and now you have Matt Hardy as you know the, whatever the broken whatever <laughs> he is. That, you know he's like he's a magician and or, or something. But teleports. Like, we know there's that. so there's so much non-traditional stuff and look like a lot of their fans are these you know some of these indie fans who who dig that stuff so i get it but is it, it's a little bit overkill for me the the dark order and then the matt hardy thing um but you know i i thought the best match though when you're talking about doing it in front of no fans was riddle and strong like, yeah. like they could do that like you know what that you know what it reminded me of a little bit not not exactly because it wasn't exactly the style but it, but your tournament that you did for premiere mm-hmm. uh, what was it called again uh embrace grind embrace the grind um 
you know, the, that that was way more like shoot style. But just like I remember watching the, the those matches in the Embrace the Grind and there was a more of a quietness to the mm-hmm. crowd because of the style. And uh, there was a couple matches where the finish kind of came out of nowhere and you just heard like this, like, <gasps> like at the end. And like, that was really, you know, a lot of the the crowd noise. And I sort of felt that same way watching Riddle and Strong was, which was like, because you didn't hear the crowd noise, you could really just focus on what they were doing. And I thought that was a pretty interesting way to watch a match. Yeah, it's funny how you say that because, um, you know, watching these matches in front of no fans, like I'm, I'm used to watching like, even though it is in front of fans, like yeah, the old UWFI shoot style wrestling, um, where the crowd in Japan's like very quiet and they do react to certain suplexes and slams or kicks or whatever. But mostly it's like, you just hear the, the, the feet on the mat and you know, the grunts and the grabbing of holds. And, and so like, to me, I'm not like really bothered like about, about the, like the matches itself. It's just when like, like when you have an interview segment or a closing mo- segment, with like for example Jericho and Matt Hardy I thought that was absolutely ridiculous it just wasn't working because there's I mean, if they had their fans there their fans are into the broken Matt Hardy character or all with that kind of stuff like it would have been probably a, a really cool thing but like I just felt like Jericho like brought himself down to this like goofiness you know to do this goofiness and it went way too long and I don't know, it just it just wasn't working that, because it just didn't have the audience participation part of it, you know. But, uh, but yeah, when it goes to the matches, uh, it's easy to watch. And I, I thought both shows had, you know, good good matches and and easy. both were really easy to watch that night on Wednesday. Just kind of breeze right through. NXT had a lot more matches. Um, AEW gave a lot more time to matches but it looks like a uh, nxt was starting like okay let's let's introduce some new characters yeah. um and get that going post wrestlemania with with the with the nxt brand two more things on nxt and we can move on because i'm interested in your thoughts but um i liked uh i like the austin theory match um Tyler, uh, tyler breeze uh i think he has graduated to like the guy who you just put in with the, you know, with these guys to have a solid wrestling match and Austin theory. I didn't necessarily like, he doesn't have the personality to do the stuff that he was doing with no crowd. But if a crowd was into him, I thought the stuff he was, he was doing, you know, trying his, his character of, of the young guy, you know, making fun of the old guy. I thought it could have worked depending on if the full sale audience would have bought it or not. But without the crowd, I didn't buy, I wasn't buying it, but I, you know, sort of give him an A for effort of trying to get his character over in the way that he wanted, uh, that he was trying. The other thing is I did not like that main event segment because I thought Triple H, A, he's five inches taller than both guys. And B, his personality is so much bigger than both of them, just verbally. I'm not talking about sort of presence, because I think both of them have their own presence in, a, in an interesting way. But he was like the dad, like telling the two kids who want to fight to shut up and go to their room. And I was like, okay, so these guys are basically saying, you're basically saying, Let's hold off this match so that it could be as big as possible. And they're like, no, we want to wrestle in front of no people. And it just came across like that they were, 
you know, what I, what we would consider sort of like marks, like WWE marks. Like, no, we have to do it. We have to do it. And, you know, for, for, for the company, we have to do this fight and we hate each other. I was just like, like, I don't know if I would have done it that way. Like, I know why you use Triple H because Triple H is, you know, one of the, the biggest stars of the last 20 years. But I just thought he overshadowed both guys. And I don't even know if he knew he was doing it. He's just he's just a much bigger character than both of those guys are. Yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of this segment either. I thought Regal would have been better in this segment. Much better. Yeah. Just I think Triple H would have been good on the show if they didn't like I I don't know if I don't you know, honestly I've been so busy with work at working at home and adjusting to that craziness and and with three kids and all that. So not really like on my phone checking news like all day but um so they did they announced that the takeover matches were going to be on the following weeks before triple h showed up on the show on wednesday uh there was a sports illustrated article that i think came out that mentioned that they were going to do that see i would have just had triple h no article of sports illustrated nothing like that just just promote that triple h has a major announcement on this show and i would use triple h to make that announcement that you know what uh you know we're gonna have in the next few weeks we're gonna have takeover will be broken up within x amount of weeks right that's what i think that would have been a good use of triple h heat with that and i think regal would have been um best to kind of like mediate between Regal and between uh, Gargano and Ciampa and maybe have also referees around them so they don't you know because like you know the week before we or you know we saw or two weeks before we saw them tearing up the you know the performance center Mm -hmm. right so I think you have security you have um but I don't know if you can because of the uh the 10 you know 10 people or less rule right so maybe you have a couple referees in Regal and then Gargano and Ciampa out there and uh, just so like they don't go out there and try to kill each other, you know, like, you know, you want, you know, then, then you do something like that. I just thought, I, I like, I think Triple H is just a overpowering personality. Um, and like, I felt like me watching that segment, I'm just gravitating toward Triple H, right? Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. focusing on him because he just, he just, he just, he's just a, a charismatic dude. And, and it's hard not to notice him when he's also such a giant man between them, you know, so. I remember it's almost like it's almost like the go back to Benoit uh WrestleMania um uh not no actually post WrestleMania backlash backlash um build where it's like Shawn Michaels and is staring at Benoit and then Triple H is in the far ground and, it's, and he's in the middle between them right but he's on the, on the opposite side of the ropes on the apron and it's almost like Triple H is still the goal, you know, mm-hmm. still Benoit's world championship. I don't know. It just he's he's just an overpowering personality. And I think, like I said, Regal would have been perfect for this. All right, I I went off on a slight tangent. Uh, I wanted to get back to the Roman thing. So uh, in the Observer, I will just read a, a paragraph that Dave wrote. So Dave didn't even have the Roman thing in the in the Observer. That was a Ryan Satin thing. But Dave wrote, the WrestleMania card has also changed. Names are being kept confidential because so few know. But it's been confirmed that multiple people on the card either said they were sick, which meant instantly being pulled off all shows this week. 
There were others who did not feel sick but had fevers over 100.4, which is WWE's cutoff point of not allowing people to work, and others who, on their own, said they didn't feel comfortable flying in. Both AEW and WWE had told people that if they don't want to come, they don't have to come, and that the decisions being made now won't be held against them when it comes to future booking. So, because WrestleMania, WrestleMania is being taped, and I think... I'm guessing that the tapings are over, at least for the stuff at the Performance Center. Or no, no, they're at Full Sail or doing it. Um, I'm guessing that since I believe those tapings are over, all of that stuff has been finished. And I, I do wonder, I, I not that I want this stuff to leak out, but I can't imagine it not leaking out. And, and by me saying that, I have heard, now this is not confirmed in any way, but the rumor is, is that the person who replaces Roman at WrestleMania is Braun Strowman. So that's the name that is out there today. Yeah, that was my first uh, thought, too. I thought, who well, who would be a good guy for Goldberg to wrestle? And, and, and you know, Braun was the first guy that kind of came to my head. Um, I know people on our board have mentioned Riddle, but I hope I, don't, I hope that doesn't happen. I'm no, because he, he would have to squash him, right? Goldberg would have to squash him. We're just not going to win the the you know the Universal Championship or whatever. Yeah, it's just not it's not it's not worth doing something like that. But I think Strowman's a, a, a fine choice. Anyone really? You just you know you just have Goldberg. You know what? Anyone. Goldberg is not jackhammering Braun Strowman. Maybe not. <laughs> you saw the one with Undertaker <laughs> and the one with uh, with Bray. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they could have put anyone, Shinsuke Nakamura. Who cares at this point? You know, like just get through it, and and, and you know, I think uh, I think people will be fine with it. All right, so we're going to move on to some UFC and uh, and a little bit of boxing news, and then we're going to go to our uh, We Want Flair segment and the UFC news. <laughs> Jeez, my goodness. Um, John Jones uh, was arrested for a DWI uh, one o'clock this morning, and he uh, he was driving. Uh, I think he had an open container, and this is during the social distancing uh, time of our lives. So he's not even supposed to be out. And and a couple days ago, maybe even more than a couple days ago, he was posting, you know, like everyone about staying home and doing your job and, you know, making sure that, you know, nobody's out and about. And then he gets caught. So, you know, John Jones, uh, he's had a laundry list of situations where he has not made the right decision and uh, nothing has really happened to him. Like, you know, the UFC continues to welcome him back with open arms. His fan bases can continue to welcome him back with open arms. He's, you know, he's the greatest fighter who's ever lived. And so, you know, when you do have that title, you do get a little bit of, a, of leeway. But, you know, you're talking about a guy who's just constantly getting away with stuff. I'm not, <laughs> I can't imagine you were surprised. <laughs> no, just, just. The eye roll, but I, but also in his defense, like you know, Keys is selling uh, swirls right for pickups. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe he went to go get his uh, his uh, uh, his uh, some chicken some chicken tacos, and he got a swirl and he got busted. Hope hope not. But uh, no, it's just ridiculous. And and you know what's gonna happen? Nothing. Maybe you pay a fine, do some community service, 
and we'll be uh in, hopefully this all stuff settles sooner than later and back to fights again in front of big crowds and john jones guess what he'll be promoted to death it's just he just he's teflon man he's teflon john <laughs> it's this might be his new nickname you know the other thing though he had a gun in his car and the reason and the reason why people i think i, I think the reason why people were looking for someone is because there was a uh there so someone had alerted the cops that there were some like some gunshots somewhere so mm-hmm. i think and he said that they weren't his and so they took his gun and they're gonna inspect his bullets and see if they're the same you know so that whole thing so i mean he could get in slightly more trouble but oh, like you, like you said probably not and everything will sort of go back to normal and we'll just you know we'll just use this to make fun of him uh down the line well i mean it's not that's not nice but people will use it to continually bring up when you know when he contradicts himself i'll never forget i'll never forget this is when john jones was on the rise and then like he was hot like and my buddy just tells me like now this guy's not a good dude he's a piece (laughs) and like i'm like really i never heard anything bad all of a sudden just just Boom! Like right when he had his, hit his top, it just yeah all went down. It's just uh, it's just crazy. Every time I think of John Jones, I think about that that conversation with my buddy. <laughs> okay, so you mentioned at some point they're going to get back to do fights, and he's going to be welcomed with open arms. Dana White wants to do a, a show <laughs> on April eighteenth, UFC two forty nine. He swears that Khabib against Tony Ferguson is going to happen. Um, he has the location. Uh, people, some people think it's going to be in Tampa, I think. And um, so I think the, the thing that's holding him back is the fact that, you know, this whole 10 people in, in the same place at the same time. And, and Dana's hoping that those get relaxed so that he can actually announce his place. So he made this comment and i'm going to read this verbatim as he made it i think he made it to kevin ioli on an interview that kevin ioli did with him now you know the, our, our our president is is saying a lot of things that uh are heavily ego driven and heavily uh pride driven and low in uh, low self-esteem driven and I just do not make any sense whatsoever dana may have topped him but i'll let you be the judge Okay, Dana says, whether you're a coronavirus expert or not, it's like hiding from cancer. You can't hide from this thing. You can't hide. If you're a high-risk person, this thing's going to get you. What's going to happen next flu season? This thing's going to disappear? No, it's going to come back just like the flu. And And if it's what's going to get you... It's going to get you. So I've had a great run. If the coronavirus is what's going to get me, let's do it. Bring it. I'm ready, Corona. Come get me. Oh, my God. This is real? This was verbatim from an interview that he did with Kevin Ioli. What an idiot, man. I mean, what's he thinking? First of all, it's not going to be relaxed. It's going to be extended. Um... This is ridiculous. He's he's totally clueless and being you know being stubborn. And this fight can be pushed out. We've waited for how many years now for this fight? <laughs> like, what's another 
six months and and yeah you know, it was horrible horrible I mean, there's people out there dying of from this stuff people loved ones and friends and family and it's like it's and that's that's a stupid thing to say what an, what an idiot i mean i don't even i and like who's gonna pay for this like you know there's a lot of people that are are, are losing their jobs unemployment uh, so that was that was exactly gonna be my next question which is if it is april 18th are you interested in putting down, you know, whatever it is, 65 bucks or no. whatever to watch the show? No. I mean, WWE Network for 10 bucks or whatever it is, or even free. Well, it's free cases. right now. Yeah. Uh, you still have to put down your credit card, but they're but they're allowing you to, to watch it for free. I mean, that's, that's a, f- you know, a fine, you know, a fine, you know, payment for a show like this, you know. But, like, you know, who's, I mean, people, like I said, people are losing their jobs, my company itself, I'm lucky that I'm still going, but you know, a lot of people that are furloughed and, and, uh, you know, scary situation right now for me and thinking about stuff like that and stressing about that kind of stuff. And, and like, I'm yeah, who's going to risk me there's, we got to buy toilet paper. Right? I mean, we got to buy, mm-hmm. we got to buy kids food and all that kind of stuff. Like, Hey, who's going to, who's going to drop 60 bucks to watch this? You know, I, I mean, I know people are, are starving for entertainment. Are they really that starving for entertainment, starving for sports? I mean, are they really, I mean, maybe gamblers are, but like, I, there's a lot of entertainment on, you can find on TV and you don't need to drop, you know. Everybody, bucks. everybody's telling me to watch the Tiger King, and I every time when I bring it up to uh, Crystal, I keep calling it the Tiger Mask. Yeah. But they they keep they they're telling me the Tiger King. So you know you have your ten year your thirteen bucks or whatever Netflix costs. You can watch the Tiger King, or do you watch Ferguson? And could be not now. I will say the hardcores are going to eat this up like crazy, right? Because they are itching so hard to watch fighting. And I get that. Like, if you're a hardcore sport, imagine if you're an NBA fan and they're like, oh, we're going to do this empty arena game, only one. And they're like, everyone would watch because they're just just itching. Uh, The thing that I worry about, though, is just Dana's mentality because um, how can you compare the coronavirus to cancer like like he, he's either he's either absolutely misunderstood about what this is or he just used a heinous analogy um i don't know i can't tell because it was so bad but it's he kept going with it and going with it and going with it so i don't i don't know what he thinks but you know if you if you are so so there's there's the leon edwards story right like he was gonna uh they were gonna do the fight in london and then he got word that they couldn't do it. And UFC wanted him to jump on an airplane in three hours to come to the U.S. And he's like, well, how am I going to get back? Mm-hmm. And they had no answer. So, yeah. you know, Dana's not thinking necessarily um, about the fighters. Now, I think people would probably say, well, duh, he never has. Um, but still, like, you know, in this time, you know, we are talking about the single time in our life that that it's like literally if you need to be at your best ever in your life it is absolutely right now if you are leading a company and you have employees it is the time to be your absolute best as a boss and he is he seems like he's going out of his mind now. I I don't know. You know, maybe some of this is show. He's trying to get some, you know, a little bit of publicity out of it. I'm sure that's why he did decided to do the interview. But 
my guy. Like you have an entire uh, roster of of men and women whose care is now in your hands. You know, if somebody gets sick and then they die from this, you know, from from COVID nineteen. And and look, I've just heard of somebody I knew who went to my high school who was younger than me who passed away from complications. So it's like this thing is closer than ever to to home and it is not something that we should, you know, be taking uh lightly at all. Like, you know, the the the, the you know the the um the meme going around was like, oh, you know, why is everyone so scared of the flu? And it's like like you guys don't understand math. Like I, I, you know, math and science. Like let's just do the math of uh, of this thing. Um, and and so you know, not to go not to go off on it on it like that. But you know, it is it is something to be heavily concerned about. You know, Steph Curry did a did an Instagram uh, live stream with uh, Dr. Fauci, which was super helpful because he just sat there and answered questions for twenty minutes or thirty minutes, and you know about what we should be doing and and stuff. So like you have <laughs> you have so much information out there. People are telling you they're giving you information. Here's what we need to do. Here's what we need to do. And Dana's like, no, um, we need to have fights. And so that that is pretty stressful and it's it's frustrating when you know when so many of these other leagues have said nope, we don't need to be doing this. We need to. You know, we need to shut it down because this thing is bigger than than our league. And and Dana is not thinking that way. So, um, okay, the last piece of news, uh, and it's, this is this is a short thing before we we can get to our uh, we want flair segment. The last one for Lex and Rick at Starcade eighty eight. Um, so, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury were scheduled to fight in the summer. Uh, I think it was in July. And they're already postponing that, which, you know, is still, what, four months away. Um, And they are postponing it until October 3rd. So that's the date they're now discussing. And the only reason I brought this up, because, I mean, you know, boxing fans already, already know this information, but... And I'm not saying that Bob Arum is this, you know, really moral guy. He's a promoter, too. And he's said things and, and done things that have been similar to, to Dana in the past. You know, maybe not as much lately, but, you know, they postponed something that was scheduled for July to October. And I think that when they do something fairly responsible, that they should be called out for it. And, and uh, you know, I ju- but I just thought it was a good kind of comparison to the difference between what Aram is doing and what uh, Dana is doing. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good move. It's a good move. To, you know, in the fall is a good time frame to kind of push it back to, but, you know, we'll see how it goes. And hopefully by that, then the fall and the summer, we will get back to normal life. I don't think so. You know, I, I, I'm kind of like, at first uh, when this all started, I was kind of one of those where it's kind of like, oh, you know, kind of going through the, the motions of it. But now, you know, it's 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 getting pretty scary. And it's, uh, you know, like I, my wife has asthma and, you know, we're being you know, careful. I have kids and it's just, it's just, uh, you know, a scary time. But we'll, we'll, we will pull through this like we have in the past and, and uh, we'll definitely never forget this year, 2020.
Okay, we want flair. Um, oh, whoops, dropped my pin. Uh, <laughs> we we want flair. The uh, the third segment, which is just the aftermath of Starcade '88. Um, so we we talked last time. Uh, Lex and Rick happens, and this is. Uh, right after uh, Turner buys the company from Crockett and there's frustration, uh, there's politics going on and Dusty Rose is sort of on his way out. Ric Flair gets to still be Ric Flair and uh, and and Lex Luger is, is, is the match that they've sort of decided and, and we talked all about, you know, whether or not it was the right finish or not. You know, Lex looks so strong in that match. But so now what happens... In January of 1989, the news, the biggest news in January, is that Ricky Steamboat agrees to terms with Turner, and he comes to uh, to the company to headline the February 20th pay-per-view against Ric Flair. So Steamboat is the new challenger. Um, and they bring him in in a very uh, memorable way. Do you want to kind of describe how Steamboat comes in? Do you uh, in the angle? Yeah, it was a mystery tag team partner for um, Eddie Gilbert against uh, Bear Windham and Ric Flair on World Champs of Wrestling in the old studio, and it was definitely uh, one of the memorable you know returns to a territory or to a promotion. And Steamboat would repeat this. A couple of years later, in 1991, <laughs> too, when he came back with teaming with Dustin Rose against the Enforcers, Arn Anderson and Larry Zbysko. So, yeah, and it was a fun match, and um, you know, what a what a way to ignite a new challenger by just having him cleanly pin Ric Flair in the tag match right on television. So the the story that's heating up uh, is really Ted Turner versus Vince McMahon. And it's so indis- uh, so interesting reading back through these observers to really understand where the business was going at that time. Because you remember, pay-per-view had really only been around for like two years as far as that being the way that, that these companies made money on their big shows. Uh, you know, WrestleMania three was, was only, you know, two years uh, prior to this. And so it was still sort of like in its uh, in its infancy, and I used to wonder why the pay per views were uh, when you when you wondered how how the business was there was always a, a buy rate, and the reason why there was a buy rate is because the audience or the the folks who were capable of actually ordering a pay per view like that audience was so small and it was different based on the event like. A Mike Tyson fight was obviously going to have everybody and every possible uh, pay-per-view company was going to carry that. So the the audience, the you know, it could be in 15 million homes or whatever. But a WWE show was maybe in like nine or ten, or they were clear. You know, they were only able to clear that many homes because there's a there's a deal, right? We're gonna we're gonna put on this show. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the the pay-per-view uh, companies back then. Uh, what was it like? Uh, was it Request something or other? Request was the first one I remember. Request TV and yeah. Viewer's Choice and those. It's like, okay, I have this show. I'm going to put it on. I want people to be able to order it. And they're like, okay, but what is the split? And, and the pay-per-view company 
you know, maybe he gets 60 and Vince gets 40 or something like that, right? Like that's that's how it worked. So the the uh, Vince coming off of WrestleMania 3 and WrestleMania 4, you know, we, we had talked about how he had manipulated them as far as Starcade, you know, Starcade 87. He sort of forced their hand and said, if you don't cover, I mean, if you don't make us exclusive for Survivor Series, you're not going to be able to carry WrestleMania. And some of those companies, most, the majority of those companies did not call his bluff. And so, you know, there's, there's still sort of, you know, who's, who's in charge here when it comes to this stuff. So now you have Ted Turner come in and Ted's got connections, right? Like Ted is a connected guy in that industry. So Vince thinking, you know, he's the biggest game in town and, 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 and he really is like, you know, great American bash, Starcade, um, the bunkhouse stampede, you know, there was a lot of hope an expectation for those shows to do WWE numbers, but they didn't. And so Vince now knows like, okay, like I'm the main game here. I want to renegotiate this deal. I want to get more money of the split. And so what do these cable companies do? They go, okay, Vince, hold on. We'll get back to you. And they went, hey, Ted, do you want to run a pay-per-view up against WrestleMania five? So everyone knows that The Clash actually runs up against WrestleMania 5. But originally, that was supposed to be a pay-per-view to go head up against WrestleMania 5. But the, these cable, these, these pay-per-view companies were trying to strong-arm Vince into accepting a deal that was better for them. So they, they were like, well, Vince, like, you know, you can run this show, but we're actually going to we're going to uh, carry Ted's show instead. But if you kind of come down from this, you know, this this high dollar amount that you want us, you know, want for each show, if you want to renegotiate, if you come down from that, then, you know, maybe we'll talk Ted out of not uh, not running against you. Mm-hmm. So they use Ted against Vince. Vince comes down from his negotiation and then they tell Ted, you know, no, 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 you know, why don't you just, you know, let's let's not run the head to head. So the NWA looks like jackasses here, you know, and they were kind of used in this war. So, you know, just the whole, the whole Ted versus Vince and the cable companies and, and how that plays into the part. You don't often hear that when it comes to the Monday night war story, but it is really, you know, it is really such a big part of it. So I'll get, I'll come back to that in in, in a second because you know, what happens to dusty, um, you may remember this more than me, so I'll let you kind of talk about this. But um, so Dusty and uh, NWA split. Dusty goes to work for Florida CWF, and he's trying to bring in all of his buddies in the NWA, right? You know, Dick Slater, Dick Murdoch, Barry Windham, all those guys. And so <clears throat> he, you know, basically says that. You know, he's going to he's going to bring in Gary Hart. He's going to bring in Abdul the Butcher. He's going to bring in Murdoch. He's going to bring in Al Perez. Like I said, Wyndham, Baby Doll. And then he challenged like, you know, Flair and the Road Warriors and Hogan and, you know, Space basically said that they were they were cowards. So they so they weren't going to come in. So um, Murdoch does a TV taping, but then he resigns with the NWA like right after. Barry never does because he he uh 
he signs as well. And so, you know, Dusty doesn't get the guys that that he's thinking that that would be beneficial for him. So what people often forget is that he didn't literally go from NWA to WWF. Like there's a period in between where he's trying to do other stuff. And here's the part that I didn't even realize is that he did a couple shows with the AWA. I did not remember this. Do you remember this at all? That I don't remember. I do remember the the, the PWF was uh, the promotion in Florida. He tried to, you know, start that up again. And uh, I think he had Terry Funk. He had Dustin. Young Dustin was uh, on his roster, um, stuff like that. Um, it was, you know, it's a fun show to watch, actually. I mean, not, I mean, not the best wrestling all in all. Like, they had some, some, some some lower end talent, but you know, that, you know, the main event stuff was pretty decent. Uh, Fred Ottman uh, was big steel man. He was this, you know, the big heel that dusty, he, he was like the, the, the first like major feud or something, right? Yeah. That was the feud. And they did a live special, which was, I think called homecoming. And I think I have it on DVD somewhere. And it was a big cage match with uh, big steel man versus uh, dusty roads. And uh, that's but soon after that, I think, it was just not going to, you know, he, he knew he wasn't going to be, you know, wasn't going to be successful. So he ended up signing into events. So who comes in as the NWA booker? It is George Scott. Now, George Scott and Jim Crockett did not get along. And so when George Scott is hired, Jim Crockett is like, hey, I don't really like this guy. Uh, he he should not work here. And they basically said, uh, Jim, you have no power. Sorry, bud. George Scott is booking this this uh, company. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the the war of people remember the Monday Night War and all the trading of talent, not trading, all the, you know, taking of talent, signing of free agencies. Uh, so right after this time, we already know that the brain busters, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, are in WWF. Vince then hires J.J. Dillon away to basically help help with the, and be in the man, on the management team on his company in the office. And then he takes Tony Schiavone mm-hmm. away and Tony Schiavone is kind of frustrated cuz once uh once once a Turner comes in and in the people that he put, you know, we we mentioned Petrick and and those guys uh, they go full boat with Jim Ross. And so Tony Schiavone's kind of like doing syndicated stuff and he's so he's not too happy. And uh and Vince takes uh, Shivani. So who, so the four horsemen are in a bit of a quandary here. The only ones left are Rick and Barry, and then they lose their manager. So who replaces JJ Dillon as their manager? Hiro Matsuda. Hiro Matsuda. Yamasaki becomes the manager. (laughs) Apparently like big Japanese corporate was like evil in 1989 which i don't really remember but uh but you know i was just a kid but apparently that was like a heat machine to they thought you know yamasaki here comes the big powerful japanese corporations that's going to take over the nwa right and they they have their world champion well yeah you know this is you know this is 1989 you remember the movie with uh michael keaton yeah gung-ho (laughs) gung-ho yeah which I my, my parents took me to see in a theater. I had no idea what the hell was going on. <laughs> I just wanted to see Michael Keaton because I like liked him from like you know Mr. Mom and Johnny Dangerously. But oh yeah, oh yeah. But but I actually rewatched that movie Gung Ho like 
I would say two years ago when I found it be very entertaining because I, you know, knew it, you know, if I understood it, everything when I was watching as a kid, I'm like, what, what are we here for? You know, let's watch something else. So there, there's a scene in that movie where they're playing softball and I guess what the, the Japanese buy the company or something. So now they're all running it, right? Is that the story of the movie? Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the guy, the gentleman that played Long Duck Dong and 16 Candles, he's like, he's like stuck between right the corporate, but then also getting to know like Michael Keaton and the, and the American crew. And you know, it's, it's a funky, funky movie. And then, uh, so I remember there's a scene where I think George went. So Norm from cheers, they're playing softball and he like runs over one of the little, you know, the smaller Japanese guys or something. And it's kind of like, oh, you know, that maybe maybe that works in American softball. But, you know, that's not here. And so then um, <laughs> there's there's one scene that I will always remember because it's so juvenile. But uh, so I forget. But the, the American guys were like everyone had you know use the restroom they're using the urinal and so the american guys like oh you know yeah you want you want to you want to bet you know we piss for distance and the japanese guy looks at him and goes we piss for accuracy (laughs) for some reason i always remember that (laughs) wow oh okay so back to we want back back to the uh That is your gung-ho review of the week. (laughs) Exactly. A movie that I probably haven't watched in like 30 years. That's funny. Okay, so... um so that so that's that with you know with the talent. And you know, a lot of a lot of the NWA talent originally, because of the changeover, they they were not really happy with what was going on, but I think the way that uh, that that Turner, you know, sort of appeased folks is just, you know, made sure that people were getting paid a little bit and, you know, maybe a little bit more or whatever. But you remember, I mean, we talked about this last time, but it, but some of the goal is to bring over some some WWE, you know, WWF faces to, you know, to to draw some some of that audience. So that that is definitely going on. And this is Vince's answer. He's like, well, I'm taking JJ. I'm taking Tony Schiavone. Um, so. So uh, this is this is my favorite part of this, and this is this is pretty much the end of it, uh, because we don't need to go any further into this. Just in case we decide to cover uh, Fla- the Flare Steamboat series of matches, we'll we'll kind of let that sort of begin where we are ending here. So uh, on February the third, Vince calls up Ted Turner, and he wants to make a peace pact about the wrestling war. He wants both sides to agree to stop raiding talent and to stop trying to sabotage each other's pay-per-view events. This is after he takes J.J. Dillon and Tony Schiavone and he's like, okay, we're good. Like, let's just stop. I'm clearly winning. My pay-per-views are doing great. Yours aren't doing great. Let's so let's just let's just call Pete. Like you keep your guys, I'll keep my guys. While at the same time he's trying to, you know, he's trying to sign Sting because Sting's gonna gonna be up for renewal soon. So, just uh, amazing, amazing Vince. And, and look, I'm not saying Ted Turner is not a savvy business guy. Like that's not it. But this is like, you know, Vince is just wrestling savvy. You know, which is probably a little bit a little different in in, in business. Yeah, that's uh, definitely interesting. Yeah, Vince is, 
he just likes to play the games and mess with people. And I think that's why I think hearing that story is the reason why Ted has such heat with Vince, right? And I was very, you know, end up being extremely competitive with him, like, you know, of course, in 95, even though I thought he should have been a little more competitive in 1989, you know, by the time he was, you know, probably focused on other things. But when he gave the go to Eric Bischoff to, you know, be competitive with WWE, you know, that's, you know, of course, we know all that story. So, um, and it's funny, like, you know, it's just a, it's just a, it's what a wacky time. And it's, you know, cause we're, I was a kid, you know, I was like, what, uh, I don't know. I, was, I know I was in sixth grade at the time. And like, I, you, you, I just felt like pay-per-view was around for a long time. You know? mm-hmm. And now I think about it, it's only two years into it, man. Like we grew up with all that stuff and, 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 you know, it wasn't pay-per-view like 20 bucks back then. <laughs> I remember, like, compared yeah. to WF, though, NBA was 20 bucks. I think WF was, like, 25. I remember. Yeah, and, 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 like, here's just to show you the technological advances um, over the last 30 years, which is part of the reason why Starcade didn't do as many buys as they had hoped is because the a lot of the cable companies in the, uh, I, 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 I'm guessing, the more rural areas couldn't handle the volume on uh the like the last few days like so they could handle like if you know if you wanted to order it 10 days out or five days out like the volume wasn't coming in that that heavy so they could sort of handle all the calls remember because you would have to call in Mm -hmm. but like the last minute rush to to get the show some of those areas couldn't actually deliver the uh the the pay-per-view because they couldn't handle the volume and 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 they just couldn't take any last minute buys so they're you know so that that's also part of it which is you know vince is you know he's marketing these things way out in advance so that you know you could buy like if you're gonna buy wrestlemania 5 you know you may as well buy that thing two two weeks early so that they could turn it on for you and then you know that's a lesson that they that they had to learn was like those last minute buys were technologically in some areas could definitely handle them but some areas couldn't and so they were losing losing possible buys on on shows like that and now we just click click away and it's already on our screen Though, except the at Big tech- Dave's house, that's, that's yeah, exactly. challenging him many times. <laughs> the, but yeah, you know, the the last I think it was, uh, it may have been Mayweather, McGregor. A lot of people had trouble getting in at the last minute, even through the digital ways. Wow, wow, so that's crazy. Yeah, the, even even today, you can flood the, you know, flood the bandwidth in in ordering shows or whatever now are you also disappointed as myself we didn't get the four horsemen of rick flair barry windham kendall windham and butch reed yeah that was the rumor right like that that was uh that was rumored to be the four horsemen now shot an angle with kendall he turned on someone i want want to say i think it was uh, maybe eddie or something Gandy Gilbert and he you know he walks off with this one JJ was still there walks off with JJ and Barry and turns to the camera and throws the four fingers up mm-hmm. you got and he when he did that he disappeared because he's so king at the time <laughs> but uh yeah but can you imagine that I mean people talk about Paul Roma days and stuff like that like gosh you know Butch Reed's a hell of a talent but I just can't imagine Butch Reed and hanging out with uh you know the Ric Flair you know the horseman group you know at the time 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's the, yeah, he he he's the he's the Lex or the Sid of the group at that point. Mm-hmm. If he does do that, and what's interesting is Butch Reed is actually an interesting choice because he's coming off of a horrid WWF run where he was just used improperly. He became a cartoon character. He wasn't a badass anymore, and so I, you know, do do people still buy him? As as that, he would actually, you know, get it back later that year, right? And then they, they would mm-hmm. do it under the masks and then they'd unmask and, you know, as Doom, he would get that back a little bit to be that that guy again. But it'd be interesting. And, and I'm not saying he was a bad choice. Uh, I don't I don't know. You know, he he proved with with Ron that they they could still do do some power stuff for sure, uh, and and that could have probably worked. I mean, I, I could imagine him and Flair as a tag where, you know, Flair, Flair's doing a, a lot of the selling, and then he you know then Butch is is, is the, the the punishment guy. I could see that working. Well, I could definitely see the team of him and Kendall with you had this veteran leading the young kid in the match. You know, and then you know Reed got a second, uh, second at least on life when he teamed with the younger Ron Simmons and became a tag team to be a singles wrestler. And also, we should talk about Lex Luger at the fall of this. Like his consolation prize was the U.S. Championship at Shy Time Rumble in February when uh, he beat Ric Flair. To, I mean, Rick, sorry, he beat Barry Windham for the United States Championship. And so Luger, the only he was a U.S. champion with the with the Four Horsemen '87. Like I think. That was like a kickoff of like his long run, and I mean, you think of the U.S. You know, it's funny like WWF will, or WWE will never mention Lex Luger when it comes to the United States Championship, but he's probably one of the biggest United States champions historically for his long reigns. Like I think he held it for like eighteen months at one point, and then, mm-hmm. and so, but due to like you know they're like stay away from Lex for whatever reason. Um, he just never gets mentioned when it comes to like when they always talk about they always talk about the first one Harley Race and Ric Flair and m- multiple Hall of Famers, but they just never talk about Lex, which I always yeah. think is a bummer. Yeah, yeah, it is a bummer. But yeah, but that that kind of puts a cap on uh, on this. We want Flair, our third. We want Flair of the uh, of the year so far. Uh, and next week we will take a week off, but we will come back with the next one. I don't even know what the next one is. Do you remember? Uh, Savage and Flair at WrestleMania Eight, maybe. Is, is that what thinking? I don't know. We'll we'll figure it out. I <clears throat> I, I was uh, I told myself that I was gonna I was gonna remember to to look, and I just I just forgot to look. I want to say it's Savage and Flair WrestleMania Eight. I mean that'll be that'll be a great one because that is, you know, we're, we're talking about our WrestleMania tournament, Savage and Flair is in a first round matchup with Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon mm-hmm. to get out of the first round. Yeah, it's tough. And and last I looked, Savage and Flair was one vote, one poll vote ahead in, wow. the, in the tournament. So I went with the latter match. I went with Savage and Flair, but like I mean, this is a toss up, right? It's an absolute toss up. Well, I went with the historic perspective. Like that ladder match went on to good or bad, you know, introduced, you know, you know, even though it was done before and, you know, other matches. But like really that ladder match from WrestleMania 10 is what introduced the boom of multiple ladder matches throughout the, every, every year from now on to this day. So that's why I went with the historic, historic value of that match. And it was also a great match at the time, too. 
No, you know, I, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. That show, uh, you know, I think a lot of people think that WrestleMania 10 was probably the better show, though. I really like WrestleMania 8, too. I, I Me think too. It's, a, it's an underrated show. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, I, I think uh, I, it's, it's a great matchup. Like, you know, there's some matchups where they're like absolute blowouts. And um, l- let me see one of the one of the blowouts. So Austin and Brett, right? First round matchup against Mick Foley versus Edge from WrestleMania 22. There was one person who voted for WrestleMania 22, and that was uh, our, our friend Becky. She, I, I think she may have even like mis- accidentally done it, and she didn't realize. But uh, so you know, the, the tournament is really fun, and that this is this was the the first round matchup that I could not wait to to see the people react. And and you know, if we have a tie, we, we do. I do dial the bat phone and get Big Dave to break our tie. So hopefully, we won't get a tie. Uh, for for this one, and people will will determine, and I don't need to bring in Big Dave. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's it's it's been fun. I'm trying to keep up. I'm you post them so fast, and I got like then I got to look at it. was it WrestleMania. Or are we doing matches? You know? <laughs> I know, I know. I got to do four a day in order for us to, to catch up. Two two matches and two WrestleMania cards. So that's how I'm doing it. So so that we can get to so we can we can get to the finish by the time of WrestleMania next Saturday. So what are you thinking? Should uh, should we do one post game show, two post game shows as far as covering WrestleMania? Because um, I mean, it'd be Saturday night and Sunday night. Probably for the for the the significant others in our life, probably doing two would be a little bit of overkill. I think I think one is fine. You know, unless something really newsworthy happens, and but mo- most likely for me, I'm watching late anyway, so it's you know not watching live, so it's gonna be tough to do two. Um, hopefully, I can watch. Are they gonna be like two hours each, or they or three I'm, hours? I'm guessing I'm guessing three hours plus mm-hmm. each. Okay. Yeah, yeah, maybe one. All right, so uh, so you're right. Uh, Flair Savage for WrestleMania eight is is our April. We want Flair, and and you know. The interesting thing is we sort of set the stage for for Flair going to WWF with the Flair Fujinami thing. So starting with Flair Savage, like the story that you have to tell, at least in the beginning, is Rick in WWF. So that that will be the, you know, the first part uh, when when we start that series. The, the first part of that will probably be the long part because we're basically telling, you know, we've already told the story of Rick leaving and now we got to tell the story of Rick getting to WWF and uh, and what they do with him early on because what they do with him is, you know, sometimes head scratching and uh, and and it's not it's not like he was booked tremendously until that Royal Rumble, like that Royal Rumble is basically where, yeah. where, where they're like, okay, finally they figured it out. But, uh, but then, you know, they get to WrestleMania eight and, uh, and, and they get the, they get the title, but, uh, off of him pretty quickly. So it's just interesting. His, his run there is, uh, is interesting cause it's short, it's memorable and you almost feel like they could have done so much more. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, I remember being completely shocked by the title change at WrestleMania eight completely shocked all right so that'll be our next series uh and like i said uh, john and i will be back thursday of next week and then next weekend we'll figure out the whole post game show thingamajigger uh if you know it's possible that that 
we could get other folks on as well uh, to uh, to pinch hit uh, in certain situations too, if needed. And um, and yeah, the, and then I just want to you know sort of mention again the the episode this weekend, which is a, a different style of show, much more interview heavy, long form with Antonio the Promise Thomas. He talks about uh, being trained. He talks about his early career. He talks about how uh, he got how they got fired from from WWE and and how it happened and and all that stuff. So it's actually really fun. And I hope to do that kind of thing with uh, with some folks, uh, with some other folks down the line. Uh, it was it's, it's really fun to, to kind of deep dive and go into like the Wikipedia of someone's career and just get them to talk about certain things. So that was that was good stuff. And, and uh, you know, promise promise and I can go. So I, I will tell you that he and I can chit chat away. So uh, it, it, it'll be but it'll be up. Uh, it'll be up Sunday night, Monday morning. Very cool. All right. So uh, we are done here for John. I'm double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.